We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mel. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mel, and some like to call me Master of Sabrage, a very real thing. I'm joined by um, a Master of Wine, Meg Rutman. Hello, I am a Master of Wine, and I'm sure Master of Sabrage is a very real thing. We keep talking about it, so we will make make it it happen. Yeah, thank you. Fake it until you make it, darling. Love that for me and for us. Yes. (laughs) Meg, what you been drinking? Oh, this week has been a great week. Oh, I had a beautiful. Um, Pomar Premier crew the other night. I can't can't remember who the producer was. It was expensive. It was over one hundred and thirty dollars, I think. But it's been sitting in my wine fridge, and lockdown. We just went. Do you remember what year it was? Seventeen. Oof. So really good year. Yeah. And I did the. Um, Cheap glass, big white burgundy glass oh, yeah. versus the big Pinot Nebbiolo glasses, and I, Ooh. I poured it into a small glass, and my husband, we both went. I said, "Oh, it's really stalky." And Pete's like, oh, "It's bready," and I smelled oh. it. And I went, "Oh, it's, he thinks it everything might be, is yeah. and then, But he claims in when we've retold the story that I said it was bready. Okay, <laughs> um, but then we poured it into these glasses, which he hates. They are really big and they're heavy, and yeah. they, they are. Difficult to use. Yeah. It was amazing. Wow. And I left some for the next day. Just beautiful yeah. tannins. And that's why I know Burgundy is expensive, but if you're drinking it's at $45, it. it's not really yeah, worth it. Okay. Drink Australian, drink yeah. Yarra Valley if you can afford to. Yeah. So that was that was a bit of a treat for us in lockdown. Oh, that's cool. And um, we've gotten on to Riddell as well, and we're getting their managing director out to do one of these podcasts. So we're going to do like <gasps> wow. the actual experiment with – them because I never used to believe it I've got to say then I went to a Shiraz one years ago I was at uni when they were launching the Australian Syrah glass I think they called it and yeah yeah, it was amazing the like I've said before my only issue is having that many glasses Mm. and having to wash them yeah I love it though I just love I love I love nice wine glasses I love them. Yeah. Oh, you know, Pete drinks out of ISO glasses. Yeah. So. Oh, God, and nothing makes me sad. He smashed one in the dishwasher the other day. He's devastated. He's down Good. to one now. Smash all of them. Well, it's not like we can't get them. That's like the thing with these ISO glasses. They're – Thimbles. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a note to put a picture up on the Instagram. But the thing is they – they take the fun out of wine. And I will never remember when I did Wesset 2, like my first real wine course. Yeah. It was in this white room. Everything was white. It looked like a lab. And it, these glasses that we're drinking out of, it was just so all, it was so methodical and it was all about just like so technical. And I just associate these particular glasses yeah, with not, not really having fun with wine. And like, so we, you know we used them at uni as well. And we were in a lab. It was called the sensory lab. Yeah. Um, but they were, you know, we were sort of taught that the sensory evaluation was a technical thing we it, you're right there was no fun involved yeah in any of it yeah well um do you know what actually i have something to say so last night i know you talk about decanting and how it's worth it and blah 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 we opened a bottle from 2010 it was a Ooh, cab sav nice and decanted it but like, i threw it in there for like 20 minutes and i didn't 
think the wine was at its best. It was kind of closed. And I can't believe why it didn't come to me that I should have decanted it for longer. Yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. But it was like it was really close and stuff. And then obviously I, you know, got through my couple of glasses pretty easily. And Tom sat on his during the night. And at the end of the night, he picked it back up and tasted his glass of wine. And was like, oh, my God, taste this. Completely transformed. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I should listen to you more. And this happened with this in the glass. It just the following day, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, um, fun fact. Fun fact: Winston Churchill was famous for drinking Paul Roger. Um, in fact, they ha- they have a the Winston named after him, the Aww. Churchill. Um, he apparently drank forty two thousand bottles of Paul Roger in his lifetime, which equates to one and a half bottles per day for his entire adult life. Oh my god! I know. How much is this wine worth? Well, I'm sure it would have been donated to him. So Paul's, what, Australian $80? Yeah. I don't know what it was worth during the war. Oh, um, my God. But, yeah, apparently he used to have um, half a bottle at breakfast. I wish I was known for that. Well, you could be, but I don't know how functioning you'd be. And don't forget he lived where he worked when he was Prime Minister and he mm. would have had a driver or he would have walked everywhere. I can't actually operate very well. No, day drinking's a bit hard. It is hard. It's lovely. It is, especially like even now we're doing a podcast, it's 10.38 a.m. We're going to start getting into it and I'm going to probably be working at like half capacity for the rest of the day. That's okay. You've learned something, especially with today's podcast. Okay. Well, that's the thing. We're going into wine regions or the best wine regions that you've never heard of. And so I'm going to learn literally everything because I put this to you and I was like, I have no idea what the answer is. So you're going to have to just like, normally I give us some sort of outline or we talk about what we're going to bring in and stuff. But, but I was like, I literally don't know what these regions are. So I need you to come up with everything. I'm so excited. What have you got? So we, I've got four wines. Yeah. Um, one from Japan, one from Slovenia, one from Georgia and one from Morocco. Okay, that's awesome. But I'll read you the list of countries that make wine. So Morocco, Myanmar. Where's Myanmar? Myanmar's Burma. Oh. The old Burma. Uh, There's a German there making wine. Cyprus, which I knew about. Turkey. Lebanon, which has a long, long, long history. Um, Madagascar. (laughs) No way. Hawaii. What? Ethiopia. Ethiopia. India. Sweden. China, most people probably know, Tahiti, Japan, Thailand, Kenya, and my favourite one, Scotland. <laughs> there's, but it's just like there's so many of them that I go, it's either too cold or too hot. How are they doing that? So in when I was reading the, the guy in Myanmar, because they're in the equator, for vines to grow every spring, they need to go through dormancy. Yeah. So that means they need to be put to sleep by the cold weather. So the yeah. vine has the temperature has to drop below ten degrees Celsius. Yeah. Obviously when you're on the equator, can't happen. So they're evergreen. So you have two crops a year. This dude has planted sixty five different varieties in Myanmar trying to work out what's worked. And he's come up with three, I think, that he thinks works. What Dornfeld is one of them, which I know Dornfeld is in parts of Germany and Austria and loves rain. Yeah. 
apparently that because they and I didn't realize this and you know thinking about it in the equator they don't have as much sunshine as we do because we get the long summer nights daylight savings makes the days longer of course uh joking (laughs) Um, Joe B. Peterson used to say daylight savings fades your curtains and that's the reason why Queensland doesn't have daylight savings (laughs) somehow there's more sun but yeah there's not enough sunshine hours in a day um for the the vines to actually grow and ripen in Myanmar so that would apply to Thailand as well I imagine yeah like Ethiopia, I can't think of. I know Ethiopia in India. I get it. I've actually worked in India. Um, yeah. It's around Mumbai. Yeah, but it's up in the hills. Yeah, so it's at altitude of six hundred meters. So it's cooler. Um, so they can actually. Oh, I see. Make wine, but in places where they don't have those hills, like yeah. Kenya, I just imagine, would be too hot yeah. and dry. But Scotland, I'll read you this, it's hysterical. Love it. So there's Fife on the east coast of Scotland, which is home to Chateau Lago and its owner, Christopher Trotter, the chef and food writer. I don't know if you know no, him. No, not for okay. um, He first made wine in 2010 and sadly due to a fault in the production process, the results were pronounced undrinkable. And in 2015, the weather hampered his efforts further, resulting in zero output. Still, he's trying to make the wine. Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, my God, I want to meet him. That's so sweet. Oh. So I thought that was pretty funny because I was trying. A few podcasts ago, I remember I said at The Hague, they have that yeah, vineyard and yeah. they released their wine. It was a rosé yeah. and a white wine. But, yeah, anyway, we've got um, Japan. And I knew that Japan made wine. I didn't know that. Um and I've had quite a lot of Japanese wine when I've been there. Yeah. But I got this in Australia, which was quite interesting. And the grape is Koshu, which is an indigenous Koshu. grape variety, which wasn't recognised as a grape vitis grape variety until 2010. The Japanese have been fighting for it. I'm just trying to find my information Wait, on this wine. It wasn't. What do you, what did you say? Because you have to, to be recognised to be able to export wine, you have to have Ah. It registered and all its synonyms. So um, basically this grape variety was brought via the Silk Road by Buddhist monks over a thousand years ago to Japan and it's made in 80 different wineries in the Yamanashi Prefecture. So Grace is the most famous one um, and that's what we've got today. I can read a little bit of Japanese. Oh, can you? Yep. Gosh, look at all your talents. Guruisu. I suppose that means Grace. Um, oh. <laughs> I did it up to year 12. I had a 14-minute conversation at the end of year 12. I've lost most of it. All I remember how to say is I love pizza. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Koshu is considered quite delicate Ooh. and soft um, white grape variety. So, be interesting. Super citrus on the nose, but like first thing I noticed was it's almost water white. It in is. Colour. Isn't it's it? a twenty nineteen. Yeah, very citrusy, a bit of white floral. Yeah, and like wet straw or wet hay. There's something. Yeah, there's something. Go good with Japanese food. Very light, very simple, fruity, good acid. Um, hey, that's all right. Yeah, imagine that with tempura. Mm. It's 
It's yeah. pretty delicious, actually. That's, I quite like it's it. I really like it. Sauvignon Blanc esque. If kind to of. try and yeah, but I was expecting, without the pungency. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting it to be more reasoning because the ones that I've tried in Japan have been um, a little bit more floral. I think what we're seeing is a slight bit of reduction in the bottle. That's why mm. it's a bit smelly. So it will open up. Just that happens sometimes. Reduction's um, bad egg gas, but it doesn't smell like that. Yeah. But some, when we bottle under Stelvin or screw cap, that can happen with white wine. Um, it'll blow off in the glass. Yeah. So so Koshu is the grape, is it? Yeah. That's yummy. Where did you get this? Um, I got this from different drop, but I think when I was researching it that Dan Murphy's may have had it or Vintage Sellers or Nick's one. One of, one of the three had it, um, but they were out of stock, I oh, think. Hey, this is worth trying to get a bottle of, I reckon. It's cool to taste. And the other thing is I would just maybe ask your local Japanese restaurants where I live. Oh, um, there's a yeah. lot of Japanese restaurants around us and I'm going to ask them to, to get it because – I don't always want to drink sake or beer when I'm in a Japanese restaurant. And that would just be superb Yeah, with Japanese food. It's so crisp and delicious. That's awesome. Mm. Yeah, big fan. Price was about $25, ah, Cheapish. That's all right. So, yeah, look out for it. So it's Grace Winery. The wine is called Grace and Koshu is the, the grape variety. Lovely packaging. It's beautiful. Um Japan does elegance well. Oh, don't Japan they? just does everything design-wise about Japan. Yeah, I would love to have a Japanese-designed house. Yeah, that would be my dream. Yeah, except for sleeping on the floor. Wow, I want a proper bed. Oh yeah, that's a bit. Yeah. So that's our koshu from Japan. Okay, I love that. Um, what do we got next? So the next one we have is a. Pinot Gris from Slovenia. Slovenia. So Slovenia, Slovakia, Romania, um, Bulgaria, with the fall of communism in the 90s, there was a lot of EU money Mm -hmm. pumped into them. They have a lot of white varieties particularly. Um, Yeah. And this is a Pinot Gris from 2015, so it'll be interesting to taste. It's got a bit of age on it. So what's the climate and everything doing over there? What we call a cool continental climate. So it's very inland. It's effectively landlocked. Yeah. Um, And what we mean by continental is that they have warm summers but cold winters and the difference between the day-night temperature in summer and winter is big difference. Mm. So that's kind of what a continental climate is. So really good for whites. I mean, Austria, not far from Slovenia. Yeah. Um, produces, you know, famously Gruner Veltlinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys have had um, – there's a great variety called Welsh Riesling, which is not Riesling. It's kind of like a poor man's Riesling. Mm. They've had these sort of in, uh, Germanic, I would say, or Central European grape varieties for, for years, like hundreds and hundreds of years. The problem with, um, you know, Slovenia and Slovakia and Georgia is because of – the rule of communism, um, they were shut off from the rest of the world. So they weren't able to develop their industries at the same time that we were sort oh of my developing God. our industries. So, really? You know, when I worked in Romania, we um, we shared a pump with the jam factory next door. 
wow. left over from communism. So they would take our must pump at night, give it back to us in the day, oh, and wow. it'd have pips of, from plums and stuff huh. in it. Oh, wow. I mean, our press stores got stolen yeah. off the press and they were using them as a barbecue. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they were closed off and they're now really um, – out in the world? Yeah. I haven't tried the wine. I, I got excited and tried it, and I would never, ever, ever pick that that is Pinot Gris if you gave that to me blind. Um, but I don't know if there's something about it that I really quite like. It's kind of oily floral, a little mm. bit like olive oil. I guess it is six years old. Oh, my God, it is oily. Um, it's 13.5% alcohol. So this has been made in stainless steel with ageing on fine yeast leaves, so that just keeps mm. it fresh. They're still producing the wine. That's what it is. It's that age. It's like this creaminess. Mm. It's almost got a spritz to it, though. Yeah. Which is interesting given it's six years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, even this bubbles on the top here. Oh, right. So the producer is Devry Pax. Excuse my Slovenian. It's D V E R I. P-A-X, um, and, yeah, it's it's brought in by Sellerhand, so they're a really good um, importers of German-Austrian wines, but the, the best. I mean, if I could have the entire Sellerhand portfolio in my wine fridge, I'd be a very happy girl. Wow, okay. I think that is absolutely fine wine. I mean, I wouldn't have expected yep. it to be... Like that? No. Um, you're right, it doesn't really look like Pinot Gris, but it's interesting on the label it says 2015 Civi, S-I-V-I Pinot, mm. dash Pinot Gris. So maybe Civi is Slovenian Yeah. for Gris. Um, so I was just been reading about this. These guys are one of the oldest producers, I think, of Slovenian wine. Um, just... Nice, fresh, textured, layered. It is like – I'm trying to find a way to describe it. You're so much better at describing things. But, like, with an aged Chardonnay, it fills my whole mouth straight away. But with this, I feel like it comes in a little more linear, like a little more Pinot Gris, and then almost like halfway through like the palate or whatever – it falls out and starts like melting and becoming oily and stuff. Like it, it has structure as well as that like full creaminess. <laughs> the the, the flavour profile reminds me of uh, a, a cheaper, warmer inland Chardonnay. Like there's a bit of peach and nectarine in there, but coupled with that is that incredibly tight acidity, yeah, that olive oil sort of character to the wine, and. I've described ones as a bulb pipette, so they come in as a straight line, mm. they bulb out, and then they finish as a straight mm. line. That's what this is. Literally, that yep. I knew you'd describe it better than me. That is what I'm getting. Like, it's really, really, really cool. I love it. This is one of the best wines I've, like, most impressive wines I've tasted. In and a while. I love that little bit of spritz because it finishes with a little yeah. bit of spritz, a little bit of effervescence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about Slovenian cuisine. But when I worked in um, Romania, we used to have the, this lady used to come around at Smoko during which time we would hand out two Marlborough cigarettes and um, a tetra pack of vodka, mm. 200 mils of vodka with a straw to everyone that worked there. Um, but she used to come around with these 
pastry. It's kind of like a samosa filled with pork and a little bit of maybe paprika. Paprika. I don't know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was it was a redness to it, yeah. but it wasn't hot. Yeah. And you'd bite into them, and they'd be warm, and the sort of fat would just. Yeah. And I'm imagining that with that that wine, yeah. I'm definitely buying more because I want to see how that ages. It's still holding together six years later for a relatively cheap yeah, wine. For I think it was thirty three dollars. For me, I wouldn't eat anything with it because I'm just so. Imp- Pressed with how it stands on its own, I don't think I would want food to like interrupt that taste for me. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I always want to eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just—it's so complex. Sometimes with the one that interesting and complex, I don't want to eat with it because I just want to experience it. I mean, that's one to really stuff up your wine friends. Give them to them and ask them to oh my God, no identify. Would you ever, would ever ever pick get that. it. I remember years ago that I knew this guy Joe Wadzak, who's a, a pretty famous. Um, Wine communicator now in the UK has a TV show, Larger Than Life, Madman, great fun. And we had a weekend away studying for our MW exams in Devon mm. and he identified, uh, I think it was Slovenian or Slovakian Sauvignon Blanc and we were just what? in awe. Never got his MW but he could identify <gasps> every single wine. This man is a genius. Oh, my God. Um, didn't get his MW because he didn't basically toe the line. He's very mouthy mm-hmm. and just fa- – if, uh, if you Google him, Joe Wadzak, he's on – he does a TV show in the UK. Um, yeah, he's just great fun. Many a fun night has been had with Mr. Wadzak in London. <laughs> That's awesome. That wine is – Sectacular. Fabulous. Yep. Well done, Patrick at Sellerhand mm. uh, for bringing it in and I hope people buy it. I mean, we don't really have a lot of middle European culture, cuisine and culture in, no, in Australia. Right. I mean, maybe it exists and we just don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just yep, impressive wine. All right, where do we go next? Okay, the next one is from Georgia. This is the only wine region I've heard of, of what you've brought in. I have heard of Georgia. Okay, so wine. Georgia was obviously part of the Soviet Union before yeah. the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. And Georgia is famous for making wine in Kvevri. Q-V-E-V-R-I. Okay. They are. Wait, what do you mean? Is that a place? No, they are. Clay pots that oh. are dug into the ground. Oh. And the wine's fermented skins and all. So it's kind of the home of natural wine, which That's is probably what I why you've heard of it, you hippie little thing. <laughs> I am. Your trendy little hipster. A little hipster over here. Um, yes. So this winery is one of the oldest wineries. I think the variety is called Zitska, T S I T S K A. It's from. 2018. It's from 2018. Um, it's mainly grown in Western Georgia, apparently. I don't know the geography of Georgia at all to no. tell you which is the West part. Um, it's an indigenous grape variety to Georgia. Apparently it ripens late and it's not especially productive, but it's highly regarded by the locals. That's always <laughs> a good thing. Um, so this is... The producer, oh, I'm not sure. Mel can just post the photo. It's Gaios Sopromadze. 
Yeah, that that was nicely done. Yeah, yeah not g- bad. wine. Yeah. Um, so they claim that these are natural wines. They're unfined and unfiltered with tiny levels of sulfur dioxide. Um, bit of skin contact. Mel's nose. I haven't smelt it yet, but the colour. So to start with, the colour is a, a sort of a hay straw colour, but the golden straw, not the green, green grassy straw. Um, and it's slightly cloudy. Can I just ask you, what's the alcohol on the bottle? Uh, Oof. 12%. Hipsterville. Oh, David, I missed you. I missed your face when you had your first sniff. I was looking forward to that. <laughs> it is just, it just smells like a natural wine. I don't. It does smell like a natural wine. So there's not a lot of what I'd say fruit character, savory, slightly eggy for me. Oh, like really, really bruised. Bruised, yeah, cooked, bruised apple, um, a little bit of cold tea, like a cold tea bag. Yeah, yeah. What when you get that cold tea and bruised apple smell? The bruised apples oxidized flavors and aromas, but the cold tea is the oxidized phenolics. So they're almost looking like tannins. Um, Okay, I reckon we could have a whole conversation about this. This, this could be a whole episode. Maybe we'll make it a whole episode, but if you want to just, like, wrap it up quickly. Is that considered a fault then? That Not a natural wine. Oh, God, your face. Okay. Are you okay? <laughs> so that is like my daughter's just started again taking the apple cider vinegar. Oh, gross. No. I, mm. I've tried twice and the first time I literally threw it up. It was so gross. Well, the thing is, uh, you know, she's uh, it's it's a health thing apparently, but um, she's tiny and I'm, I just keep saying to her, why are you adding acid to acid in your stomach? It, does, it just doesn't make any sense. But anyway, back to the wine. I'll talk to you later, Lily. Um, I'll say I don't hate it. Okay. Apple <laughs> cider. Hipster. Aldehyde, mm. vinegar, mm. and bad apple juice that's been sitting yeah. around for too long. And yeah. all of that just says to me, oxidation, 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 yeah. oxidation. And that's what we've got here. Low yeah. sulfur, skinsy. I'd love to see what Great Variety does outside of Cavivri and... I'd natural like to get a natural wine enthusiast to taste it and see if it is like good to them or because we unashamedly like aren't big natural. Like I like it as like a fun little thing, but I'm not like all let's go just drink natural wine. But some people who are might be really into that or would they recognize it for fault as well? Yeah, Gary at Jamsheed might be a good one because he's a winemaker who does both natural pet net wines but also makes normal wines, should I say? Yeah, Wines that aren't um, natural. So he might be a good one. So maybe we should do a podcast. I'd like to do this from his winery in Preston, an urban winery. Yeah. And – we can present some of these um, weirder wines. It smells and like is, is nail it, polish. Yeah, VA. Yeah, VA, that's it. Volatile, I knew that sorry, was. Volatile acidity. Yeah. So that apple cider vinegar is volatile acidity. Volatile acidity is when the wine is oxidised or exposed to air mm. and these little bacteria grow called acetobacter 
and they produce either nail polish remover smell, ethyl yeah. acetate, yeah. or vinegar. Yeah. Or both in yeah. the case of this wine. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Double for nothing. Tori doesn't mind it. <sighs> oh, my God, Meg's so disappointed. You're dead to her. No, you're not dead to me, darling. I, look, <laughs> I, that is an example of a wine it does smell that's like just oxidised and I just, mm. I'd love to see what this great variety does. It certainly has a niche. People will like it. The acidity is superb. Mm. Um, I don't mind it. I know it's faulty, but fine. I don't mind it. That's fine. Yeah. You are dead to me now. (laughs) (laughs) So what do they say? They say, as a varietal, Zitzka shows nice freshness and balance with aromas of linden. Is that that Swedish berry, linden berry? Oh. Um, And a note of honey. When cultivated to a high acidity level, Zitzka is also vinified for sparkling wine. Uh, they continue an 800-year tradition of Benedictine winemaking with deep respect for nature, blah, 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 blah. Oh, they've won a lot of awards. Oh, they make straw vine. Make what? Straw vine. It's made in um, Austria, so you cut the grapes and you lay them out on straw mats to dry out, and it's white. Um, So you make this sweet, so like a a pasamiento, as you know, Tori, so in Valpol, Amaroni, you know how they dry oh, out the grapes? Oh, yes. Thing. Gotcha. Okay, so that sort of thing. But in I, – I know of straw wine in Austria. They do it yeah. in, on straw mats and clearly – Yeah. Uh, oh, that's cool. I liked it. Um, but I completely concede that it, there is some really weird smelling stuff in there. <laughs> it's literally like cider vinegar. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to be polite. We're going to, like, show this to everyone after we finish, just in the winery after we finish the podcast, and I can guarantee our cellar door, like, young hip people will yeah. love it and all the, like, professionally trained technical winemakers will hate it. I'd love to show it to Adrian because Adrian and my husband are very similar. They've worked together and they are very um, – Technical judges. I'm a little bit, bit more forgiving, but you are. Man, that's you know what? Yeah, screw it. Let's get Adrian in here. Okay, wait. Okay, we've just brought in Adrian. Adrian is the chief winemaker at Rob Dolan Wines, and he is very technical in his winemaking. Okay, Adrian, time for your verdict. Let's see here. Was the discussion over volatile acidity? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty high, I imagine. Um, what's the actual wine? Oh yeah, Georgian. Oh, very nice. Titska. Titska. Natural. Natural hippie stuff. Unfiltered, unfined Cabernet. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely natural. Definitely natural, and um, there's a little bit more, little bit more microbial things going on in there. Yeah, there's a bit of, a bit of um, how do you put it nicely? The <laughs> stable sort of characters going on, and what an animal. Yeah, yeah. So the discussion was, I was like, we're going to take this 
and give everyone a taste after the podcast. I was like, the salad door, like young hip people will think it's awesome. And all of you like full on technical winemakers are going to hate it. And you're being very kind, yeah, but I, I can tell you hate it. I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to be uh, <laughs> polite. Not, you know, polite. <laughs> Would you drink it? No, look, it's definitely not my style. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of a, a lot of natural wines. There, yeah. There are some out there that are, that are good. Yeah. But when, you know, look, when there's a lot of volatile acidity and a lot of microbial issues going on, you know, I sort of draw the line. And it's got nothing to do with winemaking. It's just, it's just, it's just, no just doesn't taste good. Like, it, it, it's, it's unpleasant. And yeah, and that's, that's what it, for me, that's what it always comes down to. Like, does it taste yeah. good or not? And it's, it, yeah, regardless of winemaking or, or technical stuff, it's just, yeah, not, not that great. <laughs> All right, that's the verdict. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Adrian. All right, well, that was exactly what we thought was going to happen, but it was funny nonetheless. It was cute how nice he was trying to be. Um, yeah, no, I mean, no one ever wants to diss anyone else's wine. They're, they're yeah. out there making a living. And the thing that's important to note is that Georgia is considered to be the home of yeah. natural wine. Um, and so, as you said, this will be appealing to a certain yeah. wine drinker. And that's yep. fine. Georgia, you got me as a fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, Georgia, no. Um, not that stuff. I would love to see what this great variety does because I suspect that it would be fabulous. Yeah. But not. But th- this is how they make wine. So, you know, Cavivri, really? full skins. All right. Okay, what's next? Last wine is a Syrah from Morocco. Ooh, Morocco. So, Morocco's had a really long history of winemaking, but then it became Muslim, <gasps> obviously. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. So with the – I think it was the Ottoman Empire. Yeah. Uh, don't – you can correct my history because I'm not really big on that sort of thing. Um, so they, they went from being a wine-growing region. They've had a lot of French influence, obviously. They used the French Appellation system. Hmm. So this wine is um, it's a it's, it's they have a French consultant Alain Grayo, but it's an AOG, which I'm assuming which is an appellation of guarantee yeah. or something. Desenata. Um, y- you know how there's oh god, I wish I had the right words for this, but there's like um degrees. There's like those two parallel lines in the in the world that. And Thirty and fifty. That's it. Yep. And all of the like top run wine regions. So of the that's world. degrees latitude, people. So north and south. That's yeah. where most wine growing regions are. Like if you put a globe flat and drew two lines through the yep. center of it, basically, that's the best regions for wine growing. It, these ones we've had today, do they fall within that? Do you know? Georgia would, Slovenia would. Uh, Japan, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. No, Japan wouldn't. Japan's got to be outside 50. Yeah. Um, but Japan's got mountains. So altitudes. So that's how they manage it. Yeah. yeah. Morocco, um, apparently they grow the grapes in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but they've obviously had French colonial influence, so we're drinking a Syrah. Yeah. Um, 
Mel's face looks nice, like it's exciting. So this is um, – it hails from the Atlantic-influenced hills of Morocco's Zenata region in the lee of the spectacular Middle Atlas Mountains. Fresh ocean breezes and a mix of red and black clay over a base of limestone and ancient ocean bed remnants provide the right mix of conditions for scented Juicy Syrah, the Grayo believes can showcase the surprising potential of Morocco. Surprising potential, yep. Oh, the colour's beautiful. A really deep plummy colour. Oh, Mel's It's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. Oh, my gosh, it is. It's really perfumed and licorice. Yeah. And violets and baked earth. Yeah. And it's not – it's not like particularly over, like it's. Mm. Well, I'll let you go. <laughs> Sorry, little, I just find it a little more developed on the palate. Um, yeah, a little bit of prune, but and the tannins are slightly mm. dry. But mm-hmm. it is twenty eighteen. Um, but wow, I think it's lovely. Yeah, like it's a really elegant style Syrah. That's actually. Exactly what I look for in Syrah. And it's not too juicy. Sometimes Syrahs mm. can be like super juicy. So it's juicy it's and earthy at the same time, yes, which is nice. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I'm just thinking barbecued meats. Mm. The nose is incredibly beguiling. I mean, you kind of look at it. Beguiling. I know. I love that word. I love it when you say beguiling. Um, <laughs> but it, it draws you in. You just really want to taste yeah. the wine. Yep. Pretty impressive and definitely Syrah not Shiraz? Oh god, yeah. If there were if there was ever a wine that was definitely Syrah. Yeah. You know what I love about today is like when we did Merlot. Oh no. That is wait, I can't say that. We haven't released Merlot yet. Um (laughs) You know what I love about wine? (laughs) Yeah, do you know what I love about this is that I actually really expected them to be kind of not that great. But, you know, I was going to be like, oh, but it's awesome that these countries are doing it and we can expect good things in the future Mm. and blah, blah, blah. There'll be more to come. But, like, no, they're there. This is amazing. Why aren't – no, that's a good question. Why aren't these wines more known? If everything is so good, why aren't we drinking them more? Why aren't they up there with France and Italy? Politics, history, Mm. geography, world wars, communism – France, Italy and Spain sort of dominating the world, followed kind of by China now. Um, And Japan surprises me because Australia kind of has a love for everything Japanese. Yeah. And so we've really taken on sake, sake yeah. and, you know, sake beer and yeah. um, Japanese food and yeah. and design but not wine. Um yeah, I guess production levels. Morocco would have been making wine way longer than we have. Yeah. You know, they've been making it for probably over a thousand years. Wow. And But they've had Islam, they've had wars, they've had French colonialism. So a politics, and, you know, that would apply to Slovenia and Georgia yeah. as well. The, they've continued to trot along. Yeah. But never shone. Yeah. And I think that that's because of geopolitical situations. But... Uh, that Moroccan, I think I got that from World of Wine. We will definitely 100% um, find out where you got every one of these from. Yep. And we're going to link to every single one of them because they're outstanding and honestly worth trying. And the one I wanted to get is a, there's an Indian Sauvignon Blanc that apparently Dan Murphy's has. Ah. But it was out of stock and I didn't have the time. Oh, 
to order it, but yeah. I reckon if you because you yeah, can well, order it online, yeah, uh, we might order it online and bring it into another yeah podcast. So yeah, pretty that Syrahs. Yeah. Yep, pretty nice. It's pretty nice. All of them are pretty nice. We're just about to record another podcast and I'm just sitting here trying to decide which wine to sit on with in the new podcast and I can't decide. And that is that is the sign of a good tasting. Do two. Mm. Or three. Yeah. Actually, sit on, Syrah, sit on the Syrah. Sit on the because I'd like to see how that develops I in the glass. I always just want to go back through and do them all again. That was brilliant. Oh, we can because, you know, we own this. <laughs> we have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we've gone so far over time. I think the most over time we've ever been. But, you know, who cares? It was worth it. Uh, it was like a really good taste. What I'd like to feel like. I want to keep looking for these yeah. places because it would be good too. Maybe um, some weeks instead of finding out what you've been tasting that week, we what could bring in one of these yeah. or something and do More a quick tasting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Love that. Okay, cool. Well, we'll let you go. Um, you're probably at whatever destination you've arrived at if you're listening to a podcast. But we'll see you next time. And until then, enjoy your next glass of wine. And drink well. Bye.